0: Well, good evening. Uh, we are so glad you're here. Thank you for attending. This is our kickoff night for Fight for Your Family, and kickoff night for all the midweek classes for this whole semester. This class and many others will go all through this semester from now until end of May. So, so thankful you're here. Uh, Fight for Your Family is a ministry that's designed to resource marriage and parenting, and this comes straight out of the Bible. It's out of Nehemiah chapter four. Verse 14, I'll read this with you. Let's read it together, as a matter of fact. Ready? Here we go. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. There's a very interesting time, biblically, this is Nehemiah who was rebuilding the wall. He'd given a mission from the Lord to rebuild, protect his people. So a, a big project And the problem was he was facing a lot of discouragement and just a lot of enemies, uh, oppression against them. And at one point he stopped and then we took to all the people, looked at them and said, hey, let's just stop right now. I know you're discouraged. I know you're distracted. I know we've got an enemy against us, but let's do this. Let's remember the Lord and let's fight for our families. And so tonight we realize that we're all coming in here and there's a lot against us. There's an enemy who's against us and our parenting, against our marriage. We also realize that we can get distracted and we can get discouraged. But We're here tonight. Uh, to be together and to remember the Lord and to learn from Ken and from each other about how we can fight for our families and for our children's spiritual development. So thank you for being here, and uh, thank you for your interest in developing your children spiritually. I want to read to you just a couple other scriptures I think should encourage you. Would you take your Bibles, if you have them, with you, and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I just want to show you a few things I think will uh, be an encouragement to you and in, in your presence here tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is Moses. Moses is speaking to the people, and he's, he's sharing a few things with Deuteronomy before he uh, has to hand the, the, the reins over, so to speak. Um, he shares a, shares a few things with the folks there. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me read to you, beginning in verse 4. You ready? Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Verse 6, these words I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Then, verse 7, Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, and you shall repeat them diligently to your sons and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall also tie them as a sign to your head, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. I'm sorry, tie them on your hand, and they should be frontals on your forehead. And go back with me to verse uh, 6. It says, These words I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. He was talking to parents, and he said, You ought to take God's commands and place them first on your heart. And then verse 7, And you shall repeat them, repeat God's commands diligently to your sons and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So the Lord has given us through his word, the, the mandate that we're to be the spiritual disciples, we're to be the primary disciple makers in our kids' lives as parents. And so we wear that mantle. We realize that God's given that to us. And so thank you for being here to learn more how to do that. Let me take you to one more set of verses, though. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3, I want to encourage you with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is Paul talking, and he's speaking to the, to the church in Corinth. I want you to hear this. This is First Corinthians chapter three, and I'll read in verse six. And this this verse is to encourage you in in your work to get your kids in church on Sunday morning and on Wednesday nights. And we realize uh, it's not easy uh, packing up the minivan, getting all the kids here, or just getting them in the car on Sunday mornings and getting them to church or on Wednesday nights. And so, listen to this. This is First Corinthians chapter three, and I'll read verse six. And it says, "I." And this is Paul. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And so we realize as believers, as moms and dads, as parents, that it's the Lord who's going to cause the growth in our kids' lives. And what you've done, you've in a sense kind of been the Paul in your kids' lives. You're the ones that's planting those spiritual seeds. But it's good to have some Apollos in your life. You know who the Apollos are? Those are the teachers, your kids' life group teachers on Sunday morning. It's teachers of KidView. It's the teachers of your kids' classes tonight. Whatever class your kids are in tonight, see them as the Apollos. They're watering. They're helping water the seeds that you've planted, and we need those. So you, you by bringing your kids here and you being here on Sunday morning on Wednesday nights, you're adding that additional dimension of somebody helping water and pour into your kids as you plant those seeds. You got somebody else helping. So, so thank you for being here. Thank you for your family in church and your kids in church. It's good to have that other Apollos to help help do what you're already doing and build to what's happening in your home. Now, I'll tell you, you've got a, a huge asset uh, here, and he's in the room right now as far as being an Apollos and helping your kids grow. Uh, I am going to bring up in just a moment Ken Hindman. But I want to introduce to you, Ken, just for a moment if I could. Um, <clears throat> Ken has committed his life to children's ministry. More than that, He's committed his life to teaching biblical truth, age-appropriate biblical truth to children. He's been in multiple churches, and we're so thankful that he's bedded down and Christine and their family here in Memphis at Bellevue. He's been a gift to us and our church. Um, under his leadership, uh, some really uh, revolutionary things have happened at Bellevue, such as uh, Kidview Worship, Creation Station, Camp Outrageous, uh, Marketplace. Um, and all those things have been such a neat addition, and many of you in the room have just seen that come to fruition, and that's been under his leadership. But he would tell you that the most important thing in his teaching and in his ministry is that your kids are taught age-appropriate biblical truth. Um, that's where he lives. It's that he stays in that lane, and I love him for it. So I'm going to pray for us, get us kicked off, and I'm going to bring Ken up and then um, Ken's going to share with us, and I'll come back and, and share a few things before we leave. Can y'all pray with me, please? Well, Father, we praise your name, and we thank you for your goodness, too, as thank you. And we recognize that children are a gift from the Lord, so we thank you for the kids you've given us. Uh, we thank you for the mandate, God, that we're to be the ones that are to have your commands on our hearts as parents, and then we're to take them and, and teach them diligently, Lord, to our kids. So we thank you for for this church, Lord, that helps us, gives us tools and resources. And thank you for Ken Heineman and his ministry that equips us to, to better and more effectively teach diligently your commands. And we thank you and we recognize that the, the, the teachers of our kids, the instructors, facilitators, the leaders that help on Sunday mornings, Wednesday night, they're, they're the Apollos, they're helping watering the seeds that we're planting in our homes. So we thank you for that. God, I pray to give Ken wisdom tonight as he shares, as he teaches. And I pray you just that your spirit would fill this room just give us a great camaraderie and a great spirit as we learn more about you and more about how you want uh, our kids parented. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, would y'all help me welcome up Ken Hyman. Um, I can just tell you
1: that I, I want to tell you where that process started. Remember, I'm a children's minister. And let me just go on and clarify that I probably know things about your family already, that you're like, oh my word, I can't believe my child said that. Because sometimes when we ask for a prayer request among a group of children, we get some really cool things that we learn about your family. So just take a deep breath. I'm not going to share any of those prayer requests. You don't have to confess any of your sins to me tonight, but we'll just continue working with your children. So let me tell you a little bit about what Stories of the Bible is. Um, when I came on staff 10 years ago, I was under Tim's leadership and one of the things that I continued to hear was, oh, the best year we've had was when we all studied the same biblical context. Everybody from birth to senior adults was all on this same, uh, this same biblical text. And it was the greatest year we've had at Bellevue. And Tim would occasionally try to convince me that we might need to make a curriculum direction change and we might need to go back to something like that. And I was like, Jim, that's a great idea, but you have to understand that from a preschool and a child's perspective, although the Bible is true and we believe the Bible is true from Genesis all the way back to the book of Revelation and the maps and everything, not everything is appropriate for me to teach to your children in the church. Moms and dads and grandmamas and granddaddies need to teach that in the home. So there was a little bit of rub. And for 10 years, I've kind of, well, about eight and a half years, I've kind of experienced that from a staff perspective. And as I'm standing here before you, in July of 2019, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, if we're ever going to do everything from birth to death and we're ever going to teach the same thing, it's got to come from the perspective of the child. So I sat down and wrestled and toiled with the Lord for about three days and wrote out a scope and sequence that is now Stories of the Bible. Now, when I say scope and sequence, unless you're coming from an educational perspective, you probably have no clue what those words meant because the first time I heard them, I had no clue what those words meant but if you will find on your page on your table in front of you a page that looks like this it's called life group curriculum 2023 there should be enough for everybody at the table I think of this piece in that is what we in the education world refer to as a scope and sequence what does that mean It's basically the plan of action. It's the map that we follow for the next few weeks, few days, few months, or the year. So you can take that scope and sequence, and you can scroll down through there, and you look at, i got to get these glasses on, you look at February 12th, and you see we're going to be talking about Joseph and his family. And the biblical text there is Genesis 37, 1 through 36. And the memory verse is taken from Ephesians 4.32. And I'll explain why that's different later. And then you can say, oh, I wonder what we're going to study on um, April 16th. And you're going to say, it says breakfast with Jesus. And you might be like some of the adults that I teach and they're like, I didn't know that Jesus had breakfast with anybody in the Bible. I'm like, yeah, you got to read it. That's why we teach it to children. And then it's taken from John 21. And our memory verse is Acts 1-8. And you're like, well, why is the the memory verse not taken directly from the text? Because sometimes we want to make sure that your kids in an age-suitable environment are learning a memory verse that they can put in their mind and begin to eventually apply it to their life. Okay? And then you can go on over there and you say, we're going on vacation in the middle of summer after Camp Outrageous. Because if you go on vacation during Camp Outrageous, it's going to rain every day. All right? So don't go that week. Anyway, we're going to go on vacation in July, on July 9th. And I wonder what they're going to be studying. They're going to talk about Elisha and the Shunammite woman, or the couple. And it's a very simple text where it talks about this couple, a man and a woman, that felt the Lord leading them to provide a need for a guy who is ministering. And the Bible says in detail that they provided a table, a lamp, a chair, and a bed. And boy, that is great teaching for your kids. And you're like, well, Mr. Ken, why is that great teaching for me? Because whether you realize it or not, after your children leave children's ministry, we start taking And this is not a negative thing. It's just we teach differently from age group to age group. But we start taking uh, biblical text from a variety of places to prove a point or to help you learn more about a specific topic. But in preschool and children's ministry, we teach the whole text in its entirety. So back to summer of 2019. I sat there and I laid all these texts down and I prayed over it and I was scared to death because I knew if I brought this to the meeting that Tim and I are in with our supervisor named Drew Tucker, it had a choice of one or two things. Either it was going to go over like a bomb and would never hear it of it again, or the Lord would do something and it would grab hold. And if it did that, it's going to change everything about preschool and children's ministry. So I was scared either way. And Tim probably would remember, I cautiously brought that in and I had seven copies and I handed it out and I said, I've heard you guys for almost nine years talk about 12 years ago. If we are ever going to teach the same text from birth to senior adults again, I would suggest it come from a preschool and children's perspective here are 52 texts that I can agree on and will get us moving in the right direction. And it was dead silence. And if you've ever been around Drew Tucker, dead silence is not a good thing. But he sat there and he said, wow, we could call it stories of the Bible. And I knew then that God was on this. We prayed about it. We met as ministers. We mulled over some things. We wrote the big idea, which you'll see a little bit later. And we continued to dive in. And I saw God at work. And I just was able to stand back and say, God, what are you going to do? And we debated on whether we should launch it that year. And we just didn't feel with COVID and you guys being out and all the misplaced of church members and all those kind of things. We just didn't feel that was the best time. And so we laid it aside for an entire year. We get back to this summer, we go through Camp Outrageous, we're getting closer and closer to fall, and I said to Drew and to Tim and to Jason and to Noah and to Jay Stevenson, I'm like, guys, if we're going to do this, I have to know because we pay a lot of money, a lot of your tithe money, a lot of the money that you give goes to an organization called Lifeway that I've been very loyal to for a long time. And if we're gonna cut our ties there, We're going to have to do it in a timely manner. And we prayed. We felt the Lord was leading us. And we cut the ties in our curriculum for preschoolers and children at Bellevue stopped in November. And your preschool and children's teachers have been teaching stories of the Bible since December 1. And the last five weeks have been a little bit overwhelming for this country boy. Now, you need to understand, I love what I do. I love ministering to your kids. I would much rather be on that side of the building tonight than in here, but I love you too. But I grew up in a small town in Alabama named Fayette. This ministry that I have the privilege of working with on Sunday morning is larger than my hometown. Do You get that? There is absolutely no reason that I should be your children's minister. But God does some amazing things when you let go and you say, yes, I'm willing to follow you. And that's where we are today. So we have to start writing all this curriculum because you are a demanding group of people. More importantly, you put nine two-year-olds in a classroom and you have no idea what demanding is like. And I love my pastor, and this is recording, but I love my pastor, and he loves to preach. So we have to have programming provided when you drop your first child off until the last child is picked up. And we couldn't find any of that on the market, but now we have that. We are resourcing your child's classrooms so that they have plenty to do in that hour and a half, hour and 42 minutes, hour and 43 minutes, or ever how long our services last. So we're doing a lot of amazing things with stories of the Bible. But why are you here tonight? Not just to hear me chatter, but my job is to try to help you learn what this resource can do for you. So show of hands. How many of you have gotten at least one email from my office in the last two weeks? Raise your hand. Thank you. <laughs> now here comes the truth. How many of you have read those emails? Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, it, I'm probably going to put some of you on the spot. If you don't want to talk, I'm not going to make you talk. I'm not, go- I'm not here to embarrass you. But tell me what some of those emails have said to you. Somebody volunteer? Yes, what has your email said? Okay, excellent. Get a piece of candy off the table. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Should have brought some Chick-fil-A gift cards, but I didn't. Tim didn't give me any budget for that, so. Yes, what else? Uh, did you read the prayer point? Wow, thank you, because I'm telling you that is a chore for me. To know that the children's minister is writing this curriculum and, and all of that, you would laugh if you saw my grades in 11th grade English, because that poor teacher, she probably hated me every day I walked into her class, because I didn't want to be there. She didn't want me to be there, and I wasn't learning a thing, but now God has opened that door, and we're writing this prayer point, and you're reading that, so thank you. Uh, we are right now in the evaluation stage, and I, I'm going to have to have some help. Ugh. tore that up. There's a green card right here. I need those to go to every person. Because we believe in good evaluation in children's ministry. So he is handing you out a note that says, after two weeks, how can we better resource you? You might say, I like the prayer points, but they're too long. You might say, I didn't know that the questions were coming, so I'll look for that this Sunday. Are you to say, my child is too young for the questions that you're answering or asking. So I'm giving you right now an opportunity to speak into directly the direction of the overall Stories of the Bible curriculum. You know why? Because we've only written four months. Because you guys are very demanding. And you have a lot of questions. So I decided that we were going to write January, February, March, and April. And then we were stopping. And I wanted to get three or four weeks under our belt so then we could hear from you so we would know what needs to change. So right now, with that green card between the now and the next 35 minutes, you have the chance to influence future curriculum at Bellevue Baptist Church. You do not have to sign your name unless you say something bad about Tim's, Tim Shelton. And if you say something bad about Tim, just put your name on it because I want to be able to quote that, okay? So um, we're giving you an opportunity to influence. So as I talk, as we ask questions, as we dive into this over the next three or four weeks, I want to make sure that you're you're feeling comfortable about the where we're going. Now, go back to January 8th. You want to tell me why we start with creation on January 8th? Anybody want to guess? Any idea why we started with creation? It's the very beginning. And when you're with preschoolers and children, it's good to start at the beginning of the Bible because they can take their Bible and you can say open to the beginning of the Bible and even as early as a three-year-old, they can learn to handle the Bible. And if you have a two-year-old or a three-year-old in your home, you need to start giving them a Bible in their hand and teach them how to cautiously use God's Word and start at the very beginning. Another reason, I love my wife, and she might be here in a couple weeks just to share with you, but my wife is convinced that a lot of times in the church we make a mistake If you get it wrong in Genesis 1 and 2, you're going to get a lot of things wrong for the rest of your life. Because Genesis 1 and 2 gives you a standardized format of God's instructions and his creativity. And so many times I've watched churches and I've watched ministries. They do some great things, but they never dive into Genesis 1 and 2. Why? Genesis 1 and 2 are two of of my, it's two of my favorite books. There's a reason that in big letters over on the east side of the building in that thing called Creation Station, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If your child doesn't understand as a preschooler, before they enter any kind of design school system, whether it's public or private or homeschool or whatever you do or doing, Before they go to school, if they can't understand that God created it, they're immediately going to have a problem. You know why? Because somebody's going to challenge them. Someone that you're not prepared for. And for my boys, it happened when they were first grade. We were living in Nashville in one of the most unique communities in the Nashville area. But we got to go, because of where we owned our house, to this Spanish immersion school. And we thought, wow, this is so cool. They taught half the day in English and half the day in Spanish. And I'm thinking that's really cool, but I don't know anything in Spanish. No offense. I'm just being honest. I didn't grow up in that environment. Day three of my my oldest son's first grade year, day three. He comes home and he said, Daddy, Emmy has two mommies. What? And one of her mommies is the minister at the church. This is a first grader. And guys, this was 12 years ago. I was not prepared for that. But it allowed us to go back to Genesis 1:1 and said, in the beginning, God did all of this. And he created male and female. And you're thinking, Mr. Kent, I didn't know you were going to dive into this stuff in my child. Guys, I don't. I just open the Bible and show them what God's word says. And if we start at the very beginning, like we've done, It's going to be so helpful. Does that make sense?